Welcome, all you blokes and chillers, to the Sport Shack from the Gold Coast, Australia. In the Sport Shack this week, we're going to talk about some of the sporting topics of the week and go back in time with some of our favourite sporting memories from the past as well as the news and events, music and film, and lots more. And all from and with our great mate, Paul Tonner. We acknowledge the Ugambe people, past and present, the traditional custodians of this land, of the Gold Coast, we thank the Yogambe people for the opportunities to do this podcast on their land. This podcast talks about crime and some people may find issues in this podcast distressing. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Sports Shack. I hope you are well and have had a great sporting week. Hi Glenn. Hi oh, Paul. How's it going? <laughs> I was yeah. just giving you a big rap, wasn't I? Yeah. What you've been able to do, sort yeah. out through the Zoom and yeah. do a podcast through that. Yeah. No. Editing and yeah. I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> oh, well, it's, ta- <laughs> it's taken me a long time to learn it. And, yeah, oh, you have to agree doing, doing the course of TAFE and all that. You yeah. need a degree in Zoom, I, I need. Yeah. Trying to work it out. Yeah. 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 yeah, so how, how's your week been? Yeah, oh, yeah, not too bad. It's been a nice warm day yesterday and today here in Light Car on, on the property. So yeah, it's good to have some warmer weather. A bit for you? Yeah. Oh, it's good. No, yeah. I've just had a nice massage. Oh, boy, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I need put a few s- tight spots, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, I need the same thing, but... There are not as many <laughs> massage places down here that than up on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm off, I've been uh, going okay. Yeah. You, you know, getting stressed out with buddy. That's my slap of the week, printers. Printers. Oh, yeah. When they don't work, they yeah. really piss, really <laughs> piss you off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, yeah, I know the feeling because I can print on mine, but I can't scan it and anything. So, yeah, yeah. this is a bit. Yeah, you got a slap of the slap of the week. What's uh, your slap? Well, to be honest, I don't know because you know, being here on on the property, I don't see much of the outside world, and I don't really watch the news and and that. So, it's yeah. A good thing. But, but unfortunately, we lost another great Australian, Jack, Jack Charles. Oh, yeah. yeah he's yeah. a local Aborigine elder from Western Australia. A really nice, really nice guy, also known as Uncle Jack. And he was one of the, he was one of the, he was in the Stone generation. And he has, he has no... Yeah, it, it doesn't hold any grudges regarding that. Yeah, he, he, he's fairly easy going and just a really nice guy. Yeah, he he, he done a lot a lot with the younger Aboriginal guys to get them into acting and doing plays and that. So he's yeah. a real, real, real inspiring person, Uncle Jack. Yeah, oh, I um, I didn't know much about him, but yeah, I. There's a well. One of our topic today is on uh, sport and crime, yeah. and I listen to a crime podcast every week because I 
I'm a bit of a crime buff. You know? Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and there's a podcast called Australian True Co- True Crime, and they uh, were doing an interview with him on what was it early in the week, and yeah, I didn't realise. You know, I just thought it was a normal. I must have missed the start of it, but yeah, yeah he. Uh, I'd heard of the name before, yeah, but I I didn't realise, you know, that that it was a past podcast they've done with him, you know, but they're just listening to his story and yeah, yes, yes, you said, you know, not holding any grudges, yeah, it's great because he had a really tough upbringing, didn't he? Yeah, he did, uh, yeah, yeah, but it, but he didn't let that get to him because even. Um, the, the show occasionally on a series occasionally on the ABC called Undo's Brush with Fame. And when he painted that, was he? Yeah, and when he painted um, Uncle Jack during the time they did the filming, he only got it half done because he's just so fascinated with Uncle Jack's story on how he overcame. Overcame, um, yeah, all the troubles and hard hardship in his life, and I think he was he was like the old uh, the Australian actor Bill Hunter. He was always on stage or in movies, and and same with Uncle Jack. He was always on stage working with. He mainly did stage, but so he's yeah, mainly but, an actor was he? Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, he, he worked with um, uh, Frank Frank Woodley. Yeah. In the show, in one of his shows, and that's yeah. There's a show on uh, SBS, and it's uh, well, you know how it goes into their family tree, and they they get to you know there's a famous personality each week, and they you know go into their uh, you know their family history and going back you know where they where their descendants came from and yeah and I I was waiting for a show to come on and I saw him on there you know and I thought oh he looks familiar that guy yeah and yeah that's when I realized yeah he'd actually passed away but uh, it must have been a repeat because yeah like I had the volume I'm waiting for my show to come on. So yeah. I wouldn't mind going back and having a look at that. Yeah. I think his uh, descendants came from Tasmania. Yeah. 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 So that'd be interesting to look at. Yeah, because yeah, nom- he was he won the nomination for Elder, Elder of the Year. Yeah, so it was oh, okay. a great honour that he received before his, his passing. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, anyway, well, um, we've lost a lot of uh, great famous people this year, haven't we? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And uh, but just looking at some of my winners of the week, yeah. so 13-year-old goalkeeper. <laughs> He's, you know, he made his debut in the Australia Cup. So that's like, you know, it's, I think it's like a bit of equivalent to the FA Cup in, uh, you know, in the UK. So, he, yeah, so these Cups like that. So 
you know, it's where less-known teams play the A-League teams and a lot of them do quite well. It's a really good competition. But this, yeah, he's a goalkeeper, this fella, 13 years old. Now he plays for the Oakley Cannons and his name is Yamir Abili. Uh, uh, <laughs> he could be a f- future soccerer, this bloke, 13 uh, years of age. Uh, and apparently, like, he'd just broken the record. There was a young uh, a kid in uh, another 13-year-old in the UK who uh, held that record for a very short period of time for the uh, player in a senior match. Uh, but no, good old Yamir, he broke the record. Mm-hmm. And another winner, David Beckham. Now, the reason I've got him as a winner, now, I don't know if you've seen much of the news, Paul, but there's these huge queues in London, uh, all queuing up to, you know, waiting for well over 12, 12 to 18 hours to, um, to uh, line up and get into walk into Westminster Hall to uh, Queen's Coffin. Uh, and, you know, if you're a VIP, you don't have to queue up. You just get uh, straight in. Yeah. David Beckham, no, he wasn't having any of that. Yeah. He geared up like everyone else. Waited uh-huh. over 12 hours. So yeah. That's a big winner for me. Yeah. And another winner, para. They had a huge win last night. Yeah. And they've made it to their first prelim final since uh, 2009. Oh, yeah. So I honestly didn't think they'd win last night because I just thought Canberra would just on such a roll, and I turned it on, you know, because I, you know what I'm like, I'll get too fired up in games, and uh, I thought, oh, gosh, okay, I'll turn it on. I turned it on with about eight minutes to go. Uh, <laughs> 36 to four. Yeah. Uh, Ended up winning like 40 points to four. Uh, what a great try right on full time, and, but, geez, they've got a tough game next week. They've got to play... The North Queensland Cowboys in the heat and humidity yeah. in Townsville. Yeah. So I think if that was being played in Sydney, I'd back them. Yeah. But uh, oh gosh, up there in that atmosphere, gosh. Yeah. And Geelong, they're through to the AFL Grand Final, so hopefully they'll play the Sydney Swans, who I hope kick Collingwood's butt today. Yeah. And the great Roger Federer. The twenty times uh, Grand Slam tennis winner. He's he's going to call it a day. He's officially yeah. announced that he's going to retire. Uh-huh. So he's like forty years of age now, Roger. Uh-huh. Yeah. What an ambassador for the sport that bloke's been. Mm. Now losers. I've got rugby league players who lie down and milk penalties. Uh-huh. So we saw a lot of that in that fiery Souths and. South Sydney Roosters game last weekend. Yeah. And my massive loser is that bloody French rugby referee in the Bledisloe Cup. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, I know what I'd do with him. Yeah. Well, just rugby referees in general, they're just such a pain in the backside. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, the Wallabies haven't won the Bledisloe Cup in – 20 years, and it's going to be over 20 years now, this bloody French referee. Yeah, they fought back really well, you know, because the All Blacks were winning easily in the second half, and yeah, yeah, the Wallabies fought back towards the end of the match, they were winning, and it was right on full time, 
And, yeah, the Wallabies got a penalty right in front of their posts. Uh. So Bernard Foley, he's done the kick for the line. He was taken too long, so he was a bit of a goose for doing that. Yeah. But as he's going to do the kick for touch, this French referee blows his whistle. Yeah. <laughs> Awards the All Blacks a, a uh, penalty, and they go on and score. Uh-huh. And, oh, mate, I was just gutted. Absolutely. I'm still ropeable over that. Yeah. They're just totally in love with their whistles, these rugby referees. Yeah. Oh, gosh. They're just infuriating. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. And, yeah, TV networks, so mainly mm. Channel 9, who don't broadcast the Queensland Cup anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bummer. You know, uh, the only way you can watch it now is through a live stream. Yeah. They showed the Queensland Cup on, to, you know, free the air TV for years and years. And, yeah. You know, Channel 9, no, we're not going to have it anymore. They're showing the Women's Rugby League, which is great. Yeah. But yeah, Queensland Cup, they've just given the flick. Yeah, no. So, uh, yeah, it seems yeah, to be going. disappointing. It seems to be going that way. Yeah, more things are going up with the streaming services. Yeah. 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 But some of the most exciting games I've seen have been on the Queensland Cup. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, this week we're going to talk about some of the well-known sports people who have got on the wrong side of the law and spent time behind bars. Oh, you got a sound effect. I find you guilty and for your crime I sentence you to do jail time of 25 years without parole for your part in match fixing. <laughs> Gosh, the way they do match fixing uh, sentences, that's a, that's a hard. <laughs> 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh. uh. So when you think of sports people that have been involved in crime and spent time in jail, what comes to your mind, Clint? Well, I was starting to look into it, and I, I, I did look start looking at uh, Ben Cousins. He got yep. he got into a fair bit of mischief, and you know, he done some jail time, didn't he? Oh, exactly. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah he done. And what's what's intriguing in his case? He came from a very Good family. Yeah. You know, a lot of criminals, as we all know, they come from a difficult background. But, yeah, he comes yeah. from a good, loving, loving home, loving upbringing. Yeah. He's got involved with the wrong wrong people. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, anyone else come to mind? Uh, we're going to talk about quite a few of them. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, that's all I've got at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Well, as I was talking about the end of last episode, yeah, this uh, Chris Dawson, he's been, uh, he's a former Newtown Rugby League player and he's been big news in uh, here in Australia, well, around the world, really, all through the, mainly through the Teacher's Pet podcast. And, yeah, it all revolves, like he's a former Newtown Rugby League player from the 70s and, yeah, 1982, early in 1982, his wife mysteriously went missing. She's never been found. Yeah. 40 years later, 
And, uh, you know, he um, eventually got uh, uh, charged, you know, nearly four, this is oh, 2018. And, yeah, finally got found guilty, even though there was, they didn't find a body, you know, there was a, a lot of lack of evidence. It was all circumstantial evidence. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no. So, yeah, I just have a look. Look, there's a photo here of the Newtown Jets in 1975. Uh, oh boy, what a what a dark past <laughs> the Newtown Jets have around uh, that time. Uh, so this is when Chris Dawson and his brother Paul Dawson, they're twin brothers, uh, uh, they're both playing for Newtown at the same time. But in this team photo, there's like four or five of them who have been charged for, like, serious crimes. So you've uh, got a guy called uh, Paul Hayward. Now, he was a well-known, he was a Newtown halfback, and he was a well-known drug trafficker. Uh, yeah, so he was involved with Nettie Smith. Like, he was actually related to him. Uh, yeah. He was, remember Nettie Smith? He was involved with the Roger Rogerston and the, uh, uh, um, yeah, so, yeah, so he ended up, you know, going to Thailand and was involved, you know, got caught for trafficking uh, cocaine and yeah. drugs and got sent to a Thai jail there for years. And when he got released, came back to Australia, was a big heroin user and died a few years later yeah. at a young age. So uh, another one you've got is uh, Gary Sullivan in this team photo. Yeah, he was an armed robber and yeah. disgraced cop, David Oliveri. Yep, so he uh, got stood down from the police force for his involvement in crime. And yeah. there's another one, alleged mob driver, Doug Chemister. Yeah, yeah so uh, de definitely a dark past there, but yeah. they seem to think that, you know, well, there's not, you know, exact evidence but yeah. Chris Dawson actually paid someone that was associated with one of these Newtown players to get rid of his wife. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't think we'll ever know the true story. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully one day for the uh, the Dawes, uh, the the name was Lynn. Uh, yeah, Lynette Dawson. Hopefully her family. Yeah. We'll find out all these years later. Yeah. Uh, but I uh, see a lot of, you know, what I seem to think about with crime and sport is in recent times, especially with match fixing and spot fixing, especially in cricket. And, of course, Tonya Harding. <laughs> We've spoken about that one quite a fair bit, haven't we? Yes. The former ice skater, how um, she was involved in that. Yeah, like it was a friend of her uh, husband at the time who took out Nancy Kerrigan and gave her a whacking. Uh, she came off the ice yeah, uh, to try and knock her out of the Olympics. Anyway, we'll move on to our quiz now. Okay. It's quiz time. Do you want me to get Olivia? Well, yeah. It's up to you, but, yeah. It's going to take... Oh, we've got... We've got the time limit. Yeah. yeah, that's all right. Okay. 
So, question number one. So, there's five questions today. All, uh, they all revolve to sport and crime. So, I'll read the question. You only get one crack, right? So, I'm going to read it out once. Question number one. Former Arsenal captain, Tony Adams. Now, if you've done your homework, you'd know the answer to this because we've had this in previous in a previous episode. Now, he spent 57 days in jail for committing which offence? And the answer is drink driving. He was 27 times over the limit. 27. Yeah, but he's, give him credit, he's uh, truly got his life together ever since. Yeah. Yeah, resurrected his career. Now, question two. What is the name of the former English cricket all-rounder who was caught with £140,000 of liquid cocaine at Gatwick Airport and sentenced to 13 years in jail? And the answer is Chris Lewis. Yeah, he served six years out of his 13-year sentence. Mm. Right, third question. What is the name of the former Pakistan cricket captain who went to jail? He spent 30 months in jail after he was the architect of the spot-fixing scandal in 2010. And the answer is Salman Butt. So he uh, was involved in getting bowlers Muhammad Amir and Muhammad Asif mm. to bowl no balls at specific yeah. uh, times in the game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right, question four. What is the name of the NFL quarterback? Now, we've spoken about this bloke before in redemption stories as well. The NFL quarterback who served 23 months in jail after being found guilty of being involved in a dogfighting ring in 2007. <laughs> and the answer is Michael Vick. Right, question number five. What is the name of the famous boxer who was sentenced to six years in jail after being convicted of rape in 1992? And the answer is Mike Tyson. And he served less than three years of that sentence. Okay, you're up to who am I? This week's... Who am I? So it's an easy one this week. So I'm going to talk about a Aussie Rules player, former Aussie Rules player. So I was born in 1978 and I'm a former Australian Rules footballer. He played for the West Coast Eagles and Richmond in the AFL. Now, during my 12-year, 238-game career with the West Coast, I won several prestigious awards, including a Brownlow medal, a premiership medallion, and I was selected six times in the All-Australian team. I was also the West Coast's club champion for four seasons and captain the Eagles for five seasons. 
Now, unfortunately, my career was marred by highly publicised off-field incidents, which involved recreational drug use, traffic convictions, and I was also involved with criminal elements. I copped fines and sanctions from the Eagles and eventually had my contract terminated in 2007. <clears throat> now, according to Wikipedia, I also received a one-year ban by the AFL Commission for bringing the sport into disrepute. After I retired in 2010, I continued the struggle with drug addiction and had run-ins with the law. And in 2017, I received a 12-month prison sentence for drugs, stalking and violence and a breaching of a violence restraining order. My name is... Which we revealed at the end of the episode. This episode, that is... Where are they now? Right, so this week we're going to talk about a very famous case. And it involves a uh, Paralympic athlete who also made his way to the Olympics. So, you all know him, I'd say, Oscar Pistorius. So, let's have a look at the story of Oscar Pistorius and how he got involved in a life of crime. So, he was born in 1986 in Johannesburg, South Africa, and he's a former South African professional sprinter who competed at both the Paralympic Games and Olympic Games. So, he ran in the 100 metres, 200 metres, 400 metres, and he ran in the well, see, they've got different disability classes. So it was in the 43, 44 disability class. So, yeah, I'll have to look into that one day about how they determine all of that. Yeah. yeah. But according to Nico uh, Boogie, <laughs> his name, uh. news, Pistorius came from a Christian home and has an elder brother and younger sister. Now, 15 years of age, his mother... Uh, died, and this must have been devastating for him because his mother was the major influence in his life. So his parents uh, divorced when he was very young, um, but his mother always looked at him as not having a disability, and that's what yeah. she, you know, installed in him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Pistorius is from an Africana family with partial Italian ancestry. Yeah. So both of his feet were amputated when he was 11 months old due to a congenital defect of, it's called fibula uh, hemolia. So basically what the doctors did, they cut off, they amputated both his feet and so he was walking on like his, um, they put like his heel bones. Yeah. At the bottom of his legs, yeah, to help him uh, walk around. Mm. Yeah. But he even he even started playing rugby. Yeah. It was only he got into athletics because he got a bad injury. Yeah. So, yeah. Just inc incredible. Yeah. So yeah, both of yeah. So he was born missing uh, the outside of both feet and both fibula in the leg. So Pistorius never let his disability stop him. And he went yeah. on to become known worldwide as the Blade Runner, the fastest man with no legs. Mm. Yeah, so he got his prosthetics, you know. Yeah, and he started playing rugby. Yeah. yeah. 
So he wore prosthetics and was an inspiration to many around the world and was a four-time Paralympic champion. Mm. Now, at the 2011 World Athletic Championships, Pistorius became uh. the first amputee athlete to win a non-disabled world track medal, winning a silver medal in the 4 by 400 metres relay team due to the fact that he ran in the heats. Now, Pistorius attempted to qualify for the 2008 Olympics, however failed to meet the qualifying time. And at the 2012 London Olympics, Pistorius became the first double amputee athlete to qualify to compete at the Olympics. Now, there was criticism from some. So one of them was the IAAF General General Secretary, Pierre uh, Weiss, that Pistorius should not be allowed to compete against able-bodied athletes due to concerns about his safety and the safety of other athletes. What do you think about that, Glenn? Yeah, yeah, I think it, yeah, he's either either classified as able-bodied or disabled. Mm. Yeah, I don't think going into into both is fair. And then, yeah, especially with his, his setup on his, and these, um, yeah, what those what he uses to run with. Yeah. yeah, I think that has a fair advantage for disabled run other disabled runners. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I tend I tend to believe the same. You know, it should be separate events, and it's great to combine them. But yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. So Pistorius was critical of the IAAF at one stage because he felt they were deliberately trying to make him not qualify, and he even threatened legal action at one stage. Now. He, was a, he became an A-list celebrity with famous friends and he had sponsor, sponsorship deals, so such, you know, with Nike. And so he had a whole heap of money. But a lot of that money got spent on guns. Mm-hmm. And yeah. unfortunately, so he was, became a gun enthusiast. So in 2009, Pistorius was seriously injured when he was thrown from a boat in an accident on a river near Johannesburg. Now, he had surgery to repair broken facial bones, including his nose and jaw, and there were concerns about his fitness. However, he fully recovered, as reported in The Guardian. Now, in 2012 and 13, Pistorius was involved in a relationship with South African paralegal and model Reva Steenkamp. Now, she was a very inspirational woman, this one. She she came from... uh, uh, socially disadvantaged family, but always, you know, rose above the occasion. So it was a short, intense and troubled relationship. And Pistorius, according to the Red Handed podcast, he uh, had a very controlling personality and was an aggressive narcissist who made everything about him. Now, the couple were only together for about four months and in that time, Pistorius often and accused Steenkamp of sleeping around and doing drugs. Steenkamp strongly denied. Yeah. So what do you you think he was quite paranoid, Glenn, in regards to his disability? I think it was more of um, the fame had gone to his head. Mm. Yeah, or the... Yeah, whether they wanted to protect it or 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but whoever knows, whatever knows what, what was going around inside his head. Yeah, but to do something like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so Pistorius would often send aggressive text messages to her yeah. and put rules in place. So, yeah. yeah, you know, this all comes down, we've got this term now about coercive control and uh, TV shows being gender biased and, yeah. you know, it can happen to men too, you know, as you know, and yeah. I've had experience of it too, you know, like yeah. violence does happen to men. Yeah. Um, what, what are your opinions, Glenn? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, both sexes cop it, but yeah, it, it's mm, not it's not exactly. it's not right to be able to control anyone. Yeah, because yeah. I do believe in what Buddhist Buddhist nuns call um, true love, where yeah, you're there to to be with each other and to make each other's life pleasant, not to get what you can out of the other person. Yeah, so yeah, and develop from each other. Yeah, this is what they they think happened, you know, especially with the Chris Dawson case. He was yeah. very much uh, controlling yeah. in his marriage with his wife. And yeah. but back in those days, you know, it, it was all swept under the carpet, basically. Yeah, um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, domestic violence wasn't reported as much, and yeah. Yeah, but they think, you know, one of the reasons he got away with it for 40 years is because of these uh, connections to the police force. You know, he had friends who were involved in the police force. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So on February the 13th, 2013, Steam Camp stayed at Pistorius's home in Pretoria, arriving at around 6pm and was seen on CCTV talking to security guards. So Pistorius arrived about 10 minutes later in his BMW. Now, Pistorius stated in court that they had dinner, then around 10pm, and he took off his prosthetics and prepared for bed. Now, he watched TV while Reva did some yoga. Now, Pistorius stated it was a hot night and the air conditioning had broken, so he had opened the balcony doors in the bedroom and put a new, new fan outside to draw the cold air in. He then went to bed. Now, in the early hours of the morning on Valentine's Day, Pistorius said he woke up because it was hot and he heard a noise coming from the bathroom. He called out to Reva to ring the police. He grabbed his gun from his bedside table and ran over to the bathroom on his stumps as he wasn't wearing his prosthetics at the time. He was terrified and thought an intruder was in the bathroom. Now, he heard another noise in the bathroom and fired four shots into the bathroom. Now, he then claimed he ran into the bedroom to look for Reva and could not find her. It, it was then he said that it first occurred to him that it may have been Reva he heard in the bathroom. This doesn't sound <laughs> believable, does it? No. Nah. Nah. He put on his prosthetics ran back to the toilet, screaming and shouting, and tried to kick the door down without success. He then grabbed a cricket bat, knocked down the door, and there was Stink Camp in the bathroom, lying on the floor dead. Pistorius claimed he had mistaken Stink Camp for an intruder. 
and his defence built a case that it was a tragic accident. Now, when Pristorius gave his testimony on the stand, he sobbed and was very emotional. He apologised to Reva's family and said, quote, when I wake in the morning, you are the very first people I think of. I was simply trying to protect Reva, and when she went to bed that night, she felt loved, end of quote. He said the relationship was going well and they had plans for the future. He admitted that he was the one who fired the shots. However, definitely believed it was an intruder. Now, Harry Nell, the prosecutor on the case, was nicknamed the Pitbull and strongly went after their defence case and Prestorius. Now, the first shot hit Reaver in her hip. The second shot hit the upper arm. Third and fourth hit her in the right temple. Now, the sequence and the delay in the shots was vital to the case. As after the first shot, she was falling and would have cried out after the first. Now, there was time between the shots fired and the prosecution. Uh, she was leaning, and according to the prosecution, she was leaning against the door to get away from him. Now, a neighbour reported on the stand that she was woken in the early hours that morning by screaming by a man and then heard four gunshots. Pistorius, before the shooting, was a gun enthusiast and had applied for six gun licences. Now, video showed the trial of Pistorius at a shooting range using the same hollow bullets. Now, these bullets are just, they just cause maximum destruction inside the body, Glenn. Uh -oh. So it's basically when the bullet goes into your body, yeah, it just explodes mm. and does enormous damage to um, uh, in your body. Now, the uh, in the courtroom were shown the photos of Reva's dead body by the prosecution. Now, the defence tried to defend the case by bringing in a psychologist who said that Pistorius had a generalised anxiety disorder with a feared response compared to an able-bodied person, also brought in by a sports physician who worked with Pistorius, who claimed that psychological distress and his disability made him feel vulnerable. Now, because Pistorius was not wearing his prosthetics, it made him feel incredibly vulnerable. It was a right, it was a generalised anxiety attack and that a reasonable person would have not reacted in such a way. Now, he was arrested and charged with murder and at the trial in 2014, Pistorius was found not guilty of murder but guilty of culpable homicide. Now, this involves the illegal murder of a person either with or without an intention to kill. However, it depends upon how a particular jurisdiction has, has defied the offence. This is it's a research that according to Wiki. I did, because I had no idea what they meant by culpable homicide. But it seems like a very lenient sentence, doesn't it, Glenn? Yeah. Yeah. You think because, you think because yeah. of his fame, because his fame, fame, that happened? Oh, I think so, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, because it's hard to think that he's not guilty with this, you know. Yeah. Like... Um, and he had a history, you know, of uh, yeah. just really, really reckless behaviour with guns. Yeah. Like there was one, 
one example, he was in a restaurant. Uh, and yeah, he had a gun. He was with some friends, and he had a gun under his uh, under the table. Picked it up, started firing it. Yeah, uh, yeah, in a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Do you but want, I guess that's how life is over there, you know. Yeah. Uh, do you remember? What were you saying? Do you remember the movie Young Einstein? I I remember it. I'd never got to watch it though. Okay, because uh, because. Uh, in it, when he went to America, apparently um, anyone famous couldn't be arrested because mm. it was bad for the for the um, uh, emotional health of the of America. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a Aussie movie, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was serious. Been early nineties or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I agree with you. You know, I think fame's got a lot to do with this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, however, yeah, he received a five-year prison sentence. Um, yeah, for culpable homicide and a concurrent three-year suspended sentence for a separate reckless engagement conviction. Yeah, so yeah, it's definitely too light. You're basically saying that the shooting was intentional. However, it was assumed to be an intruder, not Reva Steenkamp. And I find that sort of hard to believe, you know, because in those gated communities in South Africa, you got security guards everywhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so basically uh, it was all circumstantial evidence, you know. Do, do you find, do you think that was the case? Yeah. 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 Um, but maybe, you know, his race helped him get away with it. Yeah. You know, maybe if it was a black South African, yeah. you know, yeah. it would have been a different much story. harsher. Yeah, yeah, it could have been a different story. But, but if it was uh, um, black America, black South, South African, sorry, um, mm. whether, if he had the same fame, whether it would be different. Yeah, yeah whether, exactly. Whether it was based more on fame because of the, mm. you know, the outcome from the, the court case. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so Pistorius served around a year of his sentence and in August 2015 it was announced that he would be released to undergo house arrest based on uh. his good behaviour and the fact that he was not considered a threat to society. However, he was not allowed to participate in athletic competition until the end of his five-year sentence. Uh, now, Pistorius released. He, um, oh, yeah, he got a, his release was blocked by South Africa's justice minister, Michael Masutha, who informed that the parole board's decision for early release was premature. Mm. So in November 2014, prosecutors appealed the sentence and stated, according to David Smith in The Guardian, that it was shockingly light. Thanks, Scoop. Often <laughs> 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 is. Inappropriate and would not have been imposed by any reasonable court. Now, in December 2014, Judge Masiba ruled that the prosecution could challenge the ruling of acquitting Pistorius of premeditated murder and convicting him of culpable homicide. However, they could not appeal the length of the sentence. The case 
then went to the Supreme Court of Appeal in Bloemfontein, and by unanimous decision, the court overturned the lesser conviction of culpable homicide and found him guilty of murder. Now, when Judge Masiba did the resentencing, and in July 2016, Pistorius was sentenced to another six years for murder. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's 15-year minimums for murder in South Africa. Yeah. Yeah, but still, you know, still quite a lenient sentence, isn't it? Yeah. Now, Reva Steenkamp's mother forgave Pistorius during the trial and found that re- founded the Reva Steenkamp Foundation, which continues Reva's work in educating and empowering women and children against violence and abuse. Uh, yeah, so let's look at what's happening with Oscar Pistorius today. So he's now 35 years of age. Just, you know, the, just going back to that, that's incredible thing for his uh for her family to do isn't it yeah <laughs> you know yeah, yeah she was she murdered in such a brutal way and yeah. you know, allegedly murdered but yeah, yeah. you know it, it appears I, I believe it was you know yeah. you know maybe yeah, i agree with you his fame probably thought that he could get away with it yeah yeah but so. yeah but when they talk about allegedly it sort of yeah it was that it's undeniable evidence that they were only, only two in the house mm. and she was in the bathroom and there's big holes in the door from the gunshot. So how can it be illegible? Yeah. Yeah. Alleged or whatever. That's right. I think that's just a bit of scapegoatism. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, there was some evidence on his phone of how controlling he was. And, yeah. Um, you know, disrespectful. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so Oscar Pistorius now is 35 years of age. Now, according to Ger- Ger- Gerald Imray in NBCCH, uh, sorry, NBC, ChicagoNews.com, he became eligible for parole last year and as part of the parole pr- process, he has met with Reva Steenkamp's father, Barry, as part of the parole process. Now, what, what do you think about that, Glenn? You think they should be doing something like that in Australia? Getting the, uh, you know, the perpetrators of the crimes to, uh, you know, meet the victim's family as part of their parole? If, if the victims want it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think they do it in some places. There's a program yeah, where they can. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think if the victims, if the victims themselves want it, or the families mm. of the victim, yeah. But depending on the case, what happened, I wouldn't necessarily want to um, meet the person because I'd want to be trying to move on. Yeah. But, you know, people move on in different ways. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But, you know, maybe they might not be, you know, they, they might, when they have the meeting, oh, you know, I'm really sorry and, uh, oh, you know, please forgive me. Uh, and, but they might be just doing it to get a, you know, putting on the act to get a lesser sentence. Yeah. No, no, I'll be upfront and honest here. I still believe in the old eye for an eye. Yeah. You know, you, you take what, a, the death penalty. 
Yeah, you take a life, you lose your life. Yeah. yeah. It's a sort of, yeah, for myself to, uh, yeah, if I committed a crime or took, took a life, I could not live with myself, honestly. Yeah. I, mm. I would, I would want to be, yeah, I'd see it was totally unfair. Yeah, so I'm all yeah. up for the eye for an eye. Yeah. Well, they got rid of capital punishment in Australia in the 1960s, didn't they? Yeah. I think it was around 1966. Uh, yeah. Ronald Bryan was the last one. I think yeah. Was. But uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little bit of a story from a, a Buddhist monk that um, th- this this guy was, he was a sniper in the in some war. And he was yeah. he went to this village and he um Yeah, with a very poor village and he went and made these sandwiches and put poison in them and left them in the village. And he sat there and watched these kids eat them and die. Oh, and then uh, he he couldn't live with himself. And he was yeah. terrified. Yeah. Anyway, when he um when he saw the monk yeah, the, 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 the monk talked to him about it. And anyway, to cut a short story, long story short, he, um, he then, yeah, the monk said, well, why don't you dedicate the rest of your life to make sure, make sure as little as, that you can feed as many kids as you can, you know, mm. to try and reduce children from going hungry. And that's what he did. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, you do hear a lot of stories with you know criminals and especially some bikies. You know, like once they got out of jail, they've really uh, turned things around. But yeah. I don't know. Some people are just they're just forever going to be bad. You know, like yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, we've had some lot of cases here in Australia. You know, of Ivan Malat. Yeah. Um. Oh, just some. Horrific serial killers, and um, yeah. yeah, you're never going to change them. Martin Bryant, yeah, uh, yeah, they're just never capable of showing any remorse, and nah. yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I agree in a way, but it's got to be absolutely certain that they committed the crime because there are a lot of cases in America where you know some uh, people have gone, they've been given the death penalty and they've been on death row and and then they found years later that they were innocent. Yeah. So, you know, definitely for certain cases. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. So Pistorius has served most of his sentence at a prison in Pretoria but was moved to a facility in, now see if I can pronounce this right, uh, Kebera. I think it is. Now, Steenkamp, now this is Steenkamp's hometown. Yeah. Now, parole hearing was set for last year, however, was rescheduled as Pistorius was yet to meet the Steenkamp's parents. Now, apparently, he has been a model prisoner and met the conditions for parole. Now, in September 2020, ESPN released a four-part documentary series titled The Life and Trials of Oscar Pistorius. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, his athletic career is uh, definitely well and truly over. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so yeah, that's the uh, the story of Oscar Pistorius. Yeah. yeah, and I remember hearing that news that morning. I had the um, you know because I always saw him as this inspirational athlete. And yeah. I remember I had the news on one morning. I was getting ready to go to work, and I go, "What? Yeah. I couldn't believe it!" Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we'll look at some other sports people who have been involved in crime now and have gone to jail. Now, Aaron Hernandez. Now, there's a, a series on Netflix about him. Now, this is a very tragic story. Now, he was an American football tight end who played in the NFL for three seasons with the New England Patriots. Now, his career came to an abrupt end in 2013 after he was arrested and convicted of the murder of Odin Lloyd, the semi-professional footballer. Now, with, with this Aaron Hernandez, see, he um, had a very strict upbringing, like his father just, you know, wasn't, yeah. But, see, his father died yeah. when he was young, uh, when he was about 16 or so, and and as soon as his dad died, because you know, his dad used to just keep him in place because he feared his dad so much. Yeah. Um, but when his dad died, his life just went out of control. And, um, yeah, and he was found guilty when he killed Odin Lloyd, a first-degree murder in 2015. <coughs> Pardon me. And sentenced to life in prison <coughs> without the possibility of parole. Yeah, so in 2017, Hernandez was found dead in his prison cell from suicide. So they seem to think that, you know, a few things. See, he battled with his sexuality. Yeah. So in a real alpha alpha male sport, he, um, yeah, he, he found it very difficult to come out and say that he was, that he was gay and, yeah. um, you know, and what the repercussions would be because of that. And, yeah, and they, it was also, you know, the case of CBT. You know, uh, that was uh, a lot of that was behind his uh, reckless, the reckless decisions that he made. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't just this Aiden Lloyd who he, he shot and killed. Yeah, there was a couple of, um, oh, yeah, these two guys who he just went off the handle at. Yeah. You know, in a, yeah, they were in their car and he'd had a blue with them. Yeah. And they were in the traffic lights next to him and he just decided to shoot them dead. But because there wasn't quite enough evidence to convict him, yeah, he got away with that. And then, yeah, probably it would have been the very next night they found him dead in his his cell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so another series on Netflix is Kelly Lane. Now, she was a former Aussie water polo player who was convicted for the 1996 murder of her newborn baby, Tegan. And, yeah, the three counts of making a false declaration. So she's got in trouble for that too. Now, she's serving an 18-year prison sentence and she'll be eligible for parole in May 2023 after serving 13 years and five months in custody. Now... Jared Hayne, oh boy, how the mighty have fallen. Former rugby league star for Parramatta, New South Wales and Australia. Now, he also had a short stint playing American football for the San Francisco 49ers. 
and he played for Fiji in the Rugby Sevens. And he won the NRL's Daily, Daily M Awards, so the best player in the in the competition in 2009 and 2014. And, yeah, and he also won the International Player of the Year Award in 2009. Now, in March last year, Hain was found guilty of two counts of aggravated sexual assault of a woman at her house in Newcastle on grand final night in 2018. Now, Hain was given a minimum sentence of three years and eight months in prison. And in February this year, the Court of Appeal quashed his conviction and ordered a new trial. And, you know, I remember he was out on the town with um, former rugby, Aussie rugby league player Mark Gasnia. This would have been oh, early in his career when he was playing for Parramatta. And, yeah, um, they were in King's Cross and he was running away from these thugs who were, you know, one of them was firing, uh, you know, bullets at him. And, uh. Yeah. So, but he, you know, got his, pulled his life together and, especially around that 2009 period when he was just brilliant for Parramatta. Uh, um, but, yeah, his life just got out of control. You know, as soon as he went to America and started playing American football, the fame just totally got to his head. Uh, and, yeah, he never recovered. So, uh, yeah, he was also accused of sexual assault of a woman in America in 2015. <clears throat> Actually, yeah, 2008 he was shot at after that altercation with a group of men in King's Cross. Yeah. Uh, so I've spoken about this lady before, Marion Jones, now the f- former American track and field world champion and former professional basketball player. Now, she won three gold medals and two bronze at the 2000 Sydney Olympics. However, later admitted to taking steroids. Now... She was linked to the Balco scandal in which the performance enhancing substance usage was linked to 20 top-level athletes, which included Jane's ex-husband, shot putter CJ Hunter, and 100-metre sprinter Tim Montgomery, who was the father of Jane's first child. Now, uh, had he, so Montgomery, he had his 2002 100-metre world record of 9.78 seconds stripped from, from him. Now, since retiring from athletics, he has been convicted for taking part in a check fraud scheme and for dealing heroin. Yeah, so he's another one who's fallen from grace big time, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, so I think if it's under that 10-year period, they can strip them from their gold medals and world records. Uh, um, but this is why they can't do anything about these East Germans and uh, Soviet athletes, you know, because, uh, um, yeah, it just happened so many years ago. Uh, now, according to Michael Schmidt and Lynn Zitzer in the New York Times, in October 2007, Jones admitted to lying to federal agents under oath about her steroid use prior to the Sydney Olympics and pleaded guilty at the USA District Court for the Southern District of New York. Now, Jones confessed that she had made false statements regarding the Balco and check fraud case. Now, in January 2008, Jones was sentenced to six months jail for involvement in the check fraud case and for using performance-enhancing drugs. All right, we're going to talk about Craig Field now. So he's a former professional rugby league player during the 1990s 
and early 2000s. He played halfback for South Sydney, Manly, Balmain and West Tigers. Now, he often had off-field incidents throughout his career and served a jail term for the manslaughter of a 50-year-old man in 2012 in Kingscliff, New South Wales. I've actually been to that pub where outside where that happened yeah. recently in Kingscliff. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah hmm. So Field punched the man outside a hotel and the man later died in hospital. So what's your opinion on the one punch, uh, Glenn? Like you think it's murder or manslaughter? Oh. What's the difference between murder and manslaughter? Well, manslaughter's, you know, if you kill someone and you didn't intend to kill them. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. So say with the David Hooks case, you know, yeah. man, like, um, you know, where he, <coughs> he died after hitting his head after that altercation with a bouncer. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. mm. yeah, I think it's, yeah. Um, yeah homicide. Oh, what is it? Yeah. Manslaughter. Well, that's what they're pushing yeah, for. Yeah, manslaughter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Field was sentenced to 10 years in jail with seven and a half years minimum and was released in January this year. Now, if you haven't heard of this bloke, you've been living under a rock. OJ Simpson. Remember him, Glenn? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy, how could you not? So the former American football running back for the Buffalo Bills and San Francisco 49ers in the NFL. So he's also a broadcaster, an actor. So you remember him in the Naked Gun movies? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah. Oh, they're funny movies. Yeah. Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Now he's best known for being tried for the murders of his former wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and her friend Ron Goldman in 1994. Now, in 1995, Simpson was acquitted of the murders in a criminal court but was later found to be responsible for both murders in a civil court, which was awarded against him in 1997 for the victim's wrongful deaths. Now, remember those scenes on live TV where he's in that Bronco, remember? Yeah. (laughs) Driving away from the police and... I reckon the whole of America had stopped and they were watching it. um, You know, if he wasn't, like, you know, you wouldn't be doing that if you weren't guilty, eh? Uh, Yeah. He was so guilty it wasn't funny. Uh, But, yeah, but he was let off, you know, and I think a lot of that came down to uh, they just didn't want to cause a riot, you know, because (laughs) if he was found guilty, the country would have just got out of control, Yeah, you know. Remember the, um, it was that guy, oh, would have been about 1992 in America. It was an African-American guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was bashed up by the police or, you know, it was, it was uh, terrible yeah. what happened. Yeah. 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 Well, and it caused all that rioting in yeah. LA and, yeah. yeah, well, I think that's, why he was let off, I reckon. Yeah. You know, because they didn't want a repeat of that. Yeah. yeah. Now, in 2007, Simpson was arrested in Las Vegas and charged, just reported in fined law, with armed robbery and kidnapping. Now, the following year, he was convicted and sentenced to 33 years in prison 
<coughs> with a minimum nine years without parole. Now, he was granted parole in 2017, and in December last year, he was granted early release from his parole. Now, I bet a bit of fame has to do with a bit of that. Hmm. Now, George Best he is regarded as one of the best footballers of all time. Now, the Northern Ireland and Manchester United superstar was sentenced to three months in jail in 1984 for drunk driving, assaulting a police officer and failing to answer bail. Now, Best suffered from alcoholism most of his adult life, which eventually led to his death. I've spoken about this bloke before, Pete Rose, or Charlie Hustle. So he's a former American professional baseball player and manager. Now, he played in the Major League Baseball for 23 years and was the prominent member of the Cincinnati Reds team that dominated the National League in the 1970s. Now, he also played for the Philadelphia Phillies and Montreal Expos. It's uh, a good name, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Expose. Uh, and was the manager of the Reds from 1984 to 1989. Now, Rose is, according to the Guinness World Records, the all-time leader in hits. So 4,256 hits he had in his career. Um, he played, get ready for this, 3,562 games. Mm. Um yeah, uh, just amazing, uh. Chief. In 1989, he received a 30-match suspension as manager for betting on baseball games, and the MLB banned him from the sport for life. And in July, mm. July 1990, he was sentenced to five, five months in prison and fined $50,000 for cheating on his taxes. Yeah. Now, this happened recently, Boris Becker. The boom, 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 Becker, the German <laughs> tennis great, won six Grand Slam titles f- throughout the 80s and 90s. His first at only 17 years of age when he won Wimbledon in 1985. Now, in April this year, he was sentenced to two and a half years in prison on charges of hiding assets. Now, this was related to his 2017 bankruptcy. Now, he's currently at HP Prison in Huntercombe in the UK. Now, Sonny Liston, the former American boxer who was a dominant heavyweight of his era, and he became world champion in 1962 when he knocked out Floyd Patterson in the first round. Yeah, Floyd Patterson, he was the one Muhammad Ali called the rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> now, Sonny Liston, he was considered unbeatable until... He lost the heavyweight title to a young Cassius Clay, who later became Muhammad Ali in mm. 1964 in a massive upset. Yeah. Ali used to call him the big bad bear. Yeah. Now, he had a criminal record listed and was sentenced to five years in jail for robbery and assault. <clears throat> and he spent two years behind bars and he died in mysterious circumstances in 1970. Now, Floyd Mayweather Jr. and Sr., now the father of the undefeated five-division boxing champion, Floyd Jr., now he was a, he's a boxing trainer and pro boxer. He competed from 1974 to 1990 mm. as a welterweight. Now, according to Zane Smith in SB, SBNation.com, he assaulted a woman in 2018 
after an altercation and dragged her out from a car and was facing charges. He also spent five years in prison for convictions for violating drug trafficking laws. Now, his son has a number of domestic violence and battery convictions with suspended jail sentences in 2002, 2004 and 2005. Now, he escaped jail sentences by reaching a deal with prosecutors in 2011 after pleading guilty to misdemeanor battery charge. Now, most he spent in jail was 90 days and he was ordered to complete 100 hours of community service, pay $2,500 and undergo a 12-month domestic violence program in 2012. Now, Terry Jenner, he's a former Aussie cricketer, leg spin bowler in the 70s, who later went on to become the mentor of Shane Ward. Now, he was the, the guy who was hit in the head by that John Snow bouncer, uh, 1970-71 tour. Uh, yeah. But now, he was also a commentator on the ABC. Now, he was sentenced in 1986 to six and a half years in jail for embezzlement. So he stole money from an employer, apparently, and he was uh, re- released after 18 months. He sadly passed away now, Terry Jenner. Uh, great cricket brain he, he had. Now, Nathan Bagley. So he's a former Aussie Olympic kayaker. He won two silver medals at the 2004 Athens Olympics. He was found guilty last year of attempting to smuggle, as reported by Jack Bayer in yahoofinance.com, $152 million worth of cocaine into Australia with his brother Drew. (laughs) Uh, uh. Yeah, my um, sister's boyfriend, he's a... Involved, you know, with um, he's a uh, detective sergeant, you know, uh, and he was involved in in that case, yeah. Yeah, catching them out and out, out at sea. Apparently, yeah. yeah. God, he'd have some stories about that. Mm. So yeah, they were caught on aerial surveillance video collecting six six hundred and fifty kilograms of cocaine from a foreign ship, more than three hundred and sixty kilograms off the coast, uh, kilometers off the coast. So he's he's facing life in facing a life in prison sentence. Uh, now Manu Vatavai, he was nicknamed the Beast. Now he's a former rugby league player. He represented Tonga in New Zealand and played with the New Zealand Warriors in the NRL and Salford in Super League. Now he played on the wing and was a member of the New Zealand team that won the two thousand eight World Cup. And according to Gareth Walker in The Guardian, who's the Warriors' top try scorer and the first player in NRL history to score at least 10 tries in 10 consecutive seasons. Now, he was convicted in 2019 for importing methamphetamine and was sentenced to three years and seven months in jail. Now, if we look at horse racing, we've spoken about Lester Pickett in the past. He was sentenced to three years in jail. He served one year for tax evasion. And then you got Chris Muntz. Now, he was sentenced to 30 months in jail. He served seven months, seven months in a Hong Kong jail and 13 months in Australia when released. Yeah. Now, this was a, for conspiracy for a tips 
for Bet Scan. And Robbie Waterhouse, yeah, Australian racing identity. He was involved in the fine cotton affair in 1984. I remember we spoke about that one and they, they <laughs> put one horse in instead of the other one. Uh, trying to disguise it, and they put some paint on its foot. To <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, we should have an episode: the strangest, strangest things that happened in sport. Uh, <laughs> that would be in it. Uh, so he served eight months periodic detention in Long Bay Correctional Centre for uh, lying to the Racing Appeals Tribunal. Uh, now, Mark Rogoski. Now, I remember listening to this on a crime podcast. Oh, gosh, he was – this was just terrible. Now, he was a former American professional skateboarder who was prominent in the 1980s and early 90s. Now, his career came to an end when he pled guilty for assaulting, raping and murdering Jessica Bergsten, an aspiring model in 1991. Now, he was a charismatic, flamboyant personality they received fame and fortune during the rise in popularity of skateboarding. Now, he was known commonly as Gator. Now, he was sentenced to 31 years to life in prison. He escaped the death penalty and life in prison without parole because he pled guilty to the murder yeah. and led police to the body. So this is what they're trying to do, Glenn, with this uh, Chris Dawson. Um. Yeah, bring in this, you know, because in, in, they don't have the law in New South Wales. Yeah. Uh, no, no body, no parole. What, what's your opinion about that? No body, no. Yeah, mm. yeah I suppose if there's no, uh, if everything's not clear and in place, yeah, it's, I'd agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. But then, you know, then they get a away with the murder, you know, and, yeah, yeah it's a tough one, that one. Yeah. yeah. So Roscoe Tanner, so he was the former American tennis player from the 1970s, so he's known for his booming serve, 246 kilometres an hour was recorded at once. Yeah. He reached number four in the world in 1979 and he won the Australian Open men's singles title in 1977. However, since then, he's had an extensive criminal record, which include arrests for failing to pay child support, charges in relation to passing bad checks, theft, violating probation, and serving one year in a Florida prison. And he's also jailed for contempt of court in California and served 10 days in jail for driving with a suspended, suspended licence. The last time he was in trouble with the law was in 2015 for failing to appear in court. However, since then, he appears to have turned his life around by setting up tennis academies for underprivileged kids. Now, John Elias, now he's a former rugby league player with also an extensive criminal record. Now, he played for many clubs in the 1980s and 90s, such as Balmain, Western Suburbs, Canterbury, South Sydney and Eastern Suburbs. <coughs> More clubs than Slim Dusty. <laughs> <laughs> now, he also played in England and France, where he coached and played for and coached Lebanon. However, he's known for his firearms convictions and was refused entry to the US for Lebanon's World Cup qualifier 
in 2008 due to his criminal record, as reported by David Hadfield in the Independent.uk. In 2004, he was found guilty of shooting his business partner in the leg and served four years in jail. Now, in 2011, he was arrested for suspicion of involvement in spot fixing in rugby league matches where Brian Tandy, the former late player, he was the main perpetrator in that. Time to reveal this week's Who Am I? Alrighty. So, the answer to the Who Am I of this episode is... Ben Cousins. Yeah. That was... Next. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give my top four. Okay. Yeah. Go from number four first. Okay. To start off, Paul's top five. We have, this is a tie, Tonya Harding and Marion Jones. At number four, we have Pete Rose. At number three, we have Aaron Hernandez. At number two, we have Oscar Pistorius. Yeah. Uh, and the, drum, and the dr- at, drum roll for number one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> number one. And number one is... Uh, OJ Simpson. Thanks, Libby. You want to talk to Glenn? Huh? Yeah, hello. Hey, how's it going? Good. It feels weird not going over to your house and seeing you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you have to come and visit me down here. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Oh, yeah. We're going to go down the sports shack in Port Macquarie. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a All shack. Right. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Libby. I'll hand these back to you. Yep. See you, Glenn. See you, Bo- see you Olivia. Good to see you. Right. Okay. Yeah, so, Livy, I gave her the honours of giving my top five for this week. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had to go AJ first. Okay. And, uh, yeah, but, no, next week, you know what it is, Glenn, don't you? What? Have a guess. The hundredth episode. Yep. One hundred episodes. So we're going to have an episode. We're going to celebrate that, but we're going to talk about some other great sporting milestones over the years. Yeah. That have been achieved by individuals or teams. Yeah. So we've come a long way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I look forward to that one. Okay. We might get the cake out again. Get the cake out. You, <laughs> you, you buy a cake. One for down there, one for up here. Yeah. <laughs> 50 candles. How's that sound? 50 candles on your cake up there, 50 on the candles down here. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, yep. <laughs> Rightio. Okay. So that's all for this week. So... Thanks for joining us for another fun episode on the Sports Shack. So it's a goodbye from Paul. It's a goodbye from Glenn. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.
G'day, it's me again. Please check out the Sporting Shack on Facebook if you like this, for posts and other likes and shares. Have a great sporting week. Please check out Gold Studio Productions on Facebook. Until next time...